0: Coming up on Therapy. When I was a kid, my life was so disheveled. I literally was shuffled from home to home, just hoping one day that I would get myself, you know, stable and I would be able to live my life, you know. It, It was hard. Definitely wouldn't wish it on anyone. But it made me strong. It made me build character. It made me who I am today. This hustler, go getter, you know, no is not an answer for me. You know, it has to happen. I cannot fail. You've been on your own since you were 14? I have.
1: Hey, senorita. Really nice to meet you. I was always calculating calories and macros. And when I just calmed the F down, I found my physical ideal. Am I addicted to moderate drinking? You're very subtly admitting powerlessness and unmanageability right here alive. And I'm proud of you, that's beautiful. Did you struggle with actual eating disorders, anorexia, and bulimia. Um, Thank you for for saying that. Katie Couric. Nothing screws up a kid more than having a parent on top of that kid all the time. Kenya Moore.
0: Before I take a shower, I would always step on a scale. And I saw my daughter starting to do that. Like She doesn't know how to even read the numbers, but she saw me doing it.
1: Actress (laughs) Melissa Joan Hart. I remember the first time I was told I could be a movie star if I lost 10 pounds when I weighed 103. Pinky Cole, were you high when you came up with the name? I was very high. <laughs> <laughs> this is Theron P. This week on Theron P, it's serial entrepreneur, author, and restaurateur, Gaucher Hawkins. She is the owner of my favorite restaurant. It is in the Atlanta area. Anytime I have people in town, we go to Gaucher's. Uh, That is how I found her through the restaurant and Tagging them every time I go there. But finding her on Instagram, I learned her story. And I am here to share inspiring stories of accomplished women, how they got to where they are. Wait till you hear this one. Please do me a favor and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. It'll take two seconds. It'll help me out so much. Here is my episode with Goshe Hawkins. Hey. Hi. Hi. <laughs> so you are here today. Because I'm obsessed with your restaurant and that is what brought us together. (laughs) I have one complaint about your restaurant and that is the line every time. Good problem for you. Shitty problem for me. (laughs) Well, you have to make a reservation. It is the best. Gauthier's Breakfast Bar, if you're in the Atlanta area, I've not been to the Tapas Bar yet because I'm out here near Fayetteville, Uh but I found you because I would just tag you eating at the restaurant. And then I remember, I think two years ago, I did something for the new year, just like women entrepreneurs that I, like, I see you, I see your hustle. I haven't met you, but I see what you're doing. And I tagged you in that. And that's that's how we connected. Yes. I'm so glad you're here. Squats and Margaritas is sharing inspiring stories of women that are accomplished and kind of showing what they've came out of Mm -hmm. and your story. Like I had to have you here today to share it, Talk about Gautier coming up. Was there like signs of entrepreneurship when you were a kid?
0: You know, honestly, when I was a kid, my life was so disheveled that I really couldn't think of anything and never would have dreamed that I would be sitting in this seat, you know, today. Um, I literally was a kid who was shuffled from home to home and, you know, just hoping one day that I would get myself you know, stable and I would be able to live my life, you know, but even through all the things that I went through, like it it was hard. Definitely wouldn't wish it on anyone. But it made me strong. It made me build character. It made me, you know, who I am today, this hustler, go-getter. You know, no, it's not an answer for me. You know, it has to happen. I cannot fail. Even though I failed a few times, but I got back up and kept going. So, no, I, I, I never saw myself where I am today. You've been on your own since you were 14? I have. And there was
1: something that happened, you were abused by a
0: family member, and that's yes. what sent you to foster care? Well, I got, yes, I got abused several times as I was growing up. That was the reason why I was moved so many times from home to home, um, because I was abused by several family members. Um, and e- each time I went to one family member to tell them, no one believed my story. So that's why I believe that it kept happening, because no, they knew that no one would believe me. And so I went to foster care after I got abused. I went to school and they saw the webs on me and they was like, hey, you know, we're going to call the police. They called the police. They came, they looked at me and they took me away immediately. Um, And from there, um, I probably stayed in foster care probably about a month, if not two months. And then I left there, I went to Alabama because my dad could not keep me because he just had too many jobs, which reminds me of myself because I'm like, is this why I have so many jobs and <laughs> I'm always doing something? My dad like literally had at least five jobs, you know, when I was wow. a kid, all at the same time. And so um, he couldn't keep me. So I ended up going to Alabama and which is where my dad's family lives. And so I went there and they were trying to raise me. And then again, I got abused again and I was moving around still. And so that's how I ended up being on my own. So early at 14, pregnant at 17, married at 18 and I had another baby at 18 or yeah 18. And then I ended up going to prison at 19. Did your husband set you up? My husband did set me up. Oh yeah. They said they sent him to buy crack cocaine from me. That's what was in the affidavit when we went to court. Mm. And of course he lied about it, but that's what was in the paperwork, you know, and okay. he wasn't, you know, a very, an abuser. So I wouldn't doubt it because he was one of those jealous type of guys and he definitely would not want me on the streets while he's locked up because he already had a pending case. So it was a lot, you know. Wow.
1: So, prison at 19, and you did two years. I was did. there something that you learned in prison that was like something you could have only learned in prison? And it almost made it like you went to prison to get this lesson. The thing
0: that happened to me in prison to me was an aha moment as I was able to get my GED. You know, yeah. I got my GED, I signed up for college. Uh, When I got out of college, I ended up going to Alabama state and that was the best thing for me because probably would have never gotten it, you know, because I was ripping and running the streets, selling drugs. And I I probably would have never even tried to attend college, you know, even though I didn't finish, I tried, you know, and that was the start of me, you know, getting my hair salon and Mm -hmm. going to hair school, all of that. You get oh, yeah. out of prison, you have two kids. You didn't just get your kids back. No, I didn't. It took me about five years to get my kids back. When my husband's mom, she was only to have temporary custody. But I'm assuming that, well, I guess, you know, it happens. Uh, she grew attachment to the kids while they while I was gone. Mm-hmm. And when I got out, it was like, no, no um, you know, you're not stable. We're going to have to go to court. She did not want to give me the kids. So literally I had to wait to get my job. I had to be stable. Cause of course, when I first got out, I was staying with a friend. And so that's, you can't do that when you're trying to get your kids back. You have to have your own place, show that you're stable, have a job, just stability. So it took me about five years. Um, before I was able to get the kids back, did not have the money to, you know, pay a lawyer, go to court and all that. So it took me a while.
1: And you start your career in the beauty industry. Like what brought you there?
0: I was going to this young lady and she was doing my hair and I was like, wow, she would take the first 18 people sign up on the book, you know, to get your hair done. And she wasn't even there yet. The door would be open because the guy would be in there cleaning up. You would go in, sign your name. And if you wasn't on the list when she got there, you were not getting your hair done. So at that time, you know, a hairstyle was like $18, $20. So if you imagine 18, 20 people at that amount, I was yeah. like, shoot, this is the next best thing to sell yeah. drugs. I'm to <laughs> go to school for this, you know? I didn't know anything about hair. And I ended up going to school, learning it, and when I was done with school, I already had a clientele. So I went straight out of school, straight into a salon paying booth rental with a full clientele. It was a young lady that was in my class. Her name was Cynthia. She was amazing. I always say she had to be my guardian angel because... She never, she did not get out of school and do hair. She ended up being a paralegal, but she showed me everything about weave and doing hair while we were in school. So I knew a lot when I got out of school.
1: And you do 28 years in the hair industry. Um, You end up on a reality TV show. You're a celebrity hairstylist. What in Mm -hmm. the hell (laughs) makes you want to pivot to restaurants, which is the hardest industry, not only to get into, but to stay in.
0: So basically I had did hair for over 30 plus years and one I had built up my career, you know, I had worked with a lot of celebrities, I knew a lot of people, but back in hindsight when my friends used to come over to my house, I was always cooking, mm-hmm. you know. Um so they were always like, "You should open a restaurant." And actually I was going to open a restaurant in 2007, 8 and then the market crash. Mm. I was going to open a dinner restaurant back then in Orlando. And then um, I went through a lot. Then I I lost everything, had to start over, end up moving. Wait, what happened there? I don't even know that part. So I used to date this football player. More therapy in a moment. Now this. Oh, and I dated him in Orlando for a little while. And then, you know, at that time I had a salon, I had, you know, houses, I had all this stuff. Right. And so my, at that time, my bill was like $30,000 a month. So mm. he was like, you know, I want you to move to Detroit because he was planning Detroit. He was like, I want you to move to Detroit and, you know, don't, you know, you don't, I don't want you to work. I want, he wanted me to be a housewife. I knew that that was something I never wanted to do because that was never me. I was so, you know, independent and, you know, like I never wanted to lean on anybody and I I did it. Yeah. I sold my salon. I moved to Detroit with him. And when I got there, when I tell you my entire life changed, my entire life just flipped upside down because I feel like when someone else is, you know, taking on your responsibilities, paying all your bills, they become a different person uh-huh. and you become a different person because now it's like, I have to do everything that he says, you know, and it was a miserable life. I don't know how these ladies stay at home every day, be <laughs> housewives.
1: but. Gauthier, I didn't even know that part. And I don't know if you know my history, like I, my ex, I'm in the middle of a divorce but he played in the NFL for nine years. Mm. Unlike you, I was like, I just want to be a stay at home mom. We dated for 10 years before we got married. And that's Mm. all I thought I wanted. I didn't like step into purpose and like empowering women till almost 40. And when that happened, honestly, it's not what he signed up for. I was just going to be a stay at home mom, but I couldn't do it. Like I just felt itchy and like my kids go to school. Like what the hell am I supposed to do? So me stepping into this, was the demise of our relationship because he was just kind of like, he doesn't know he's retired now, but he didn't know what to do with me kind of going into the spotlight and him being retired. And it isn't what he signed up for. So a little similarity there. I found out that it's not what I wanted. I thought that it's what I wanted, but I found that there was more.
0: Yeah. I mean, literally like every day doing the same thing over and over, and over again, cleaning up, you know, cooking, it was the most boring life
1: ever. It's also the hardest. And I know people are going to come for me. They do it every time I say that just being a mom, being a mom is so hard, obviously. And if that is what your role is in your home and you feel fulfilled, that is amazing. You're a badass. It's the hardest job in the world, but it's not the only job. And it's not even that's, that's what you signed up for. And if you feel kind of itchy, there is more. And you need something that like lights you up. Like you said, it's like the same thing every day. And yeah. I, I lost myself. Like I was just, you're yes. just a mom.
0: I was miserable. I, yeah. I was crying all the time. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it's just when you're coming from a place of working all the time yeah. and then all of a sudden just stop and you're yeah. just in the house every day. <laughs> it was a lot. Like he was very abusive mentally, physically mm-hmm. and It was a lot. So
1: I know you, we didn't really like grow up cooking, but you kind of like learned out of necessity in your first marriage.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I did. My (laughs) husband, you know, like I did not know how to cook like his mom. She was a great cook for him. You know, he was the only child. So she cooked for him all the time when I met him. And so I was like, okay, I need to learn how to cook. So I started learning how to cook. You know, my grandmother was a cook on both sides. My mom, like everyone cooked and I never learned it. And then once I got married, it was like, okay, I don't know how to cook. So I got to learn because this guy, his mom is always cooking. She's always washing his clothes and everything. Mm. So she made me feel like not valued, period. Yeah. Yeah. And so one day I cooked Jiffy Mix for him. Yeah, And he took that Jiffy Mix and threw it across the room. And he said, if I wanted a cake, I would ask for a fucking cake. And threw it across the room. And from that day, I learned how to cook. My grandmother (laughs) lived probably five houses down. And I used to go down there and she would show me how to cook. And I ended up just, you know, taking some of the things that she learned me and putting it in with what I, you know, wanted to do. Yeah, you did. <laughs> and all my friends started coming over and they was like, yeah, you are open up restaurant. You know, this is great. Yeah.
1: And you found it like kind of it was like out of necessity. Like there wasn't a spot where you live. So you opened one.
0: Yeah. So here in Atlanta, um Cascade, it's like a very prominent area. A lot mm-hmm. of, you know, influential people live in the area. And I had moved here in 2010. And when I moved here, I lived in Atlantic Station. So I was used to being around, you know, everything was in walking distance Mm -hmm. and there was a lot of restaurants. And then I ended up moving to Cascade area in 2014. I was shocked, you know, coming from the city and coming to this side of town, you know, at the disadvantage to the area. Of no restaurants, you know, we had only chain restaurants here. We, you know, had a need for shopping, we don't have. So it was, I felt like this area was really at a disadvantage, and especially considering the type of people that live in this area. You yeah. know, you have mayors that live over here. And why are we underserved? You know? Yes. And so I felt like it would be the perfect opportunity to open the restaurant now. You know, we didn't have a breakfast restaurant over here. And so I said, oh, this would be a great opportunity. And, and so a place became available and the rest is history. Yeah.
1: Five years ago, the yeah. hardest industry to maintain, like then COVID came and you're like, I remember I watching you on an interview and you're like, I didn't want to do a food truck, but then COVID hit. And
0: everybody wanted to go, and you had
1: to get a food truck. Like, you have to be able to pivot.
0: Yeah, you know, so I did hair here in Atlanta. I, you know, my career, I did hair, worked with several celebrities. I've been in NBA for over 10 years. i worked with a lot of teams. And then, you know, I just felt like social media came. And then once social media came, I felt like people had more access, you know, to – hairstylist. And with that being said, it was a lot of hairstylists willing to do hair for free, you know, just to get likes and everything. And yeah. I just didn't want to be that hairstylist. I felt like the industry was changing and I felt like it was just time for me to start trying to figure out what I wanted to do different. Yeah. And when I moved, that was the answer. Okay. Now I'm going to open a restaurant. I didn't know anything about running a restaurant, nothing. (laughs) And I felt like in my mind, I felt it was kind of easy because I felt like I've always had my own business, you know? Um, So I knew how to manage money and I knew how to talk to people and things like that. But once I got the restaurant open, it was like, okay, it's more to this than cooking. You know, it was Mm. like, the liquor license. It was like, you know, the service, you know, like I knew how to treat people, but that was a different type of service, you yeah. know? And uh, you
1: weren't the one treating that like you had to hire and trust that the, your staff was going to get exactly. it. <laughs>
0: right. Like, you know, when you're doing hair. It's just you and your yes. assistant and you don't really have to rely on a lot of people to make it work. Yes. And in this restaurant, it's 50 million people that you have to rely on. Like I was not used to that. Mm -hmm. And so that was different for me. Um, You know, even just trying to get the restaurant, you know, the finance, the financing of it all. You know, I went to several banks, banks that I had banked with for years and they were like, no, we don't do restaurants. Mm. So I had to take out small interest. Well, they weren't small, but they were high interest loans against my hair salon in order to get the restaurant open. Because I had went to all my friends and I was like, hey, can I borrow $5,000? I I went to every one of my friends. I went to my family members and everybody was like, no, I don't have it. I don't have it. So I didn't have a choice but to do the high interest loans. And Mm. I'm happy that it happened that way because, you know, in six months, I was able to pay all the loans back in six months and that's how (laughs) fast the restaurant took off and you know like i didn't know everything when i worked when i opened but i was figuring it out as i was going and people were supporting me the community was something that was needed in the community because it filled the void And the community, they've been there and they stuck with me, you know, till now because I've made some changes, some tweaks to be better. You know, we've worked on our service. We've worked on the quality of our food. Like we've enhanced the visuals. Like, yeah, it's been a lot. But the community has definitely been there with us the whole way and stuck by us. And they are still.
1: It's the community. Like how much did you even spend on marketing? Because I feel like when I go there... It's just the food is there. The quality is there. So people, if you have a good experience, you're going to put it on your Instagram. Like you yeah. don't even have to pay for marketing because it's just like organic. Every time I go there, it's always fantastic. And if you deliver in that, I feel like people just organically share where they're at. And that's how it grows.
0: So basically <laughs> it's between the service and the presentation and the quality of the food. Oh. Like those things makes a big difference in business. And you give great service, people are going to want to come back. Your food doesn't even have to be all that great. If you're giving people great service, you know, we strive to give a five-star experience and we're not perfect. So it doesn't always happen. But for the most part, that, that is our goal. You know, sometimes things slip up and we make mistakes, but we are held accountable and, you know, we just learn from those mistakes.
1: And you're passionate about the quality of it. Like, would you say finding the restaurant industry, like that's your passion? Whereas like the hair industry was more about just like making money.
0: You know, I never knew that I could be so fulfilled from opening this restaurant. Yeah. I've had, you know, several hair salons. I've never felt fulfilled until I opened the restaurant. It's just a different experience when you get when you see the guests and they're like, "Oh my god, this food is so amazing." and this and just to see all the hard work that I put into it and how it's paying off. You know, it makes me feel really grateful, you know, that I was able to do this and especially when I look back where I came from, everything that I've been through and to know that I have opened up something and it's touching people's lives. You know, people come, they share moments with their families, their friends, birthdays, you know, great conversation and drinks. So it's, it's very, you know, touching to
1: see. Yeah. It lights you up. You found like what you're put on this planet to do. And Mm -hmm. you're such a great example of just like you can switch it up. Like you did over 30 years in hair and now you've got like the go-to spot in restaurants. You were married to a man. Now you're married to a woman. It's like, you're such a great example of, do you live your authentic life? Um,
0: Unapologetically.
1: Yes. And I, (laughs) I'm 42. I feel like I'm just stepping into like the unapologetically because I am going through a divorce and I don't have to like, I can just do me and do what lights me up and live in alignment with why I am here and not just as a mom and not just as a wife. I want to talk about your wife, your wife, her first relationship with a woman was you and she married you.
0: (laughs) Yes. More therapy in a moment.
1: Now this guys, I have found the magic and who would I be to not share the magic with my loyal therapy listeners? I have been using Rejuvelift Beauty, a tightening clay that you tap wherever you need it. I use it on the little 11s between my eyebrows, the bags under my eyes, my crow's feet. You tap it, you sit for four minutes, and the results last for up to seven hours. If you have a girl's night, a work event, a date night, make Rejuvalift the first step in your beauty routine. It goes on before makeup. It lasts for up to seven hours. It is magic. And right now, Therapy listeners get 20% off at rejuvaliftbeauty.com using code Theron P. T-H-E-R-I-N-P-Y, 20% off rejuvaliftbeauty.com. That's R-E-J-U-V-A-L-I-F-T-beauty.com. You're welcome this episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy. But you know what is? it is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Now, back to therapy.
0: She said that if we ever... God forbid, if we ever got a divorce, she would never date a woman again because she's not gay. <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: I would be lying if I said I haven't considered it. I feel like women get women and any like lesbian relationship that I know, they just are happy and they yeah. get it. How did you
0: like even start to explore that? I feel like since I was young, you know, I remember playing house with my cousins And I just remember at a very young age, it was a young lady who, she was older than I was. And at this time, I probably was about 16, Mm -hmm. right before I met my husband. So I was about 16 and I met her and she was gay. And no, let me go back because it was another girl. I met another girl when I was staying with my mom. She lived on the corner. She's dead now, Um, bless her soul. But she first initially raped me when I was a kid. Ugh. And that was my first experience. I remember, you know, everybody used to go over to her house and then we went to the basement. And I remember her taking advantage of me. She was way older than I was. And I was, I was a kid. I probably mm-hmm. was in about fifth grade, probably fifth yeah. grade. And she was an adult. Yeah. So that was probably my first experience with a woman. Um, and then when I got older, I was probably about 16. And then I met another lady that was much older than I was. She had to be about 35, maybe in her 40s or something. And then she took advantage of me uh, with her husband. And so that probably was my second um, thing. But I always looked at women and thought they were beautiful and yeah. thought they were attractive. Um, but I didn't understand it back then. Yeah. Um, so as I got older, I started gravitating towards women. And of course, when I went to prison, I was dating women while I was locked up, you know? And then, you know, when I got out, I still would try to date guys because, you know, I grew up in a Baptist church, you mm-hmm. know, by my parents, my grandparents, you know, they all went to church faithfully every Sunday. And that's what I knew. And so I knew that according to, the Bible, that it wasn't right. Um, At least that's what I was taught. Yep. And so it was a hard pill to swallow just, you know, saying, hey, you know, you're supposed to be with a man. You're not supposed to be with a woman. So my entire life, I have been battling, you know, supposed to be with a man, not supposed to be with a woman. It's not right. And I finally just came to you know, like comfort with myself that this is my life and this is, I'm going to act on my true emotions. Yeah, And, and so I finally just gave up on the guys, like, <laughs> you know, I'm just going to give up. And I really like guys like that because I feel like, I feel like with guys, I went through so much turmoil. Yes. That's what I was going to say. Like, do you think that like being abused
1: by a man as a kid made you like not attracted to men be like, that is bad. But you just blew that theory up when you said you were abused by a woman. So maybe not, but I thought maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah. Like that made you turned off. I have to say too, just, it's funny. You said that I go to a Baptist church and we are talking about marriage right now as a straight woman. It makes me uncomfortable when they're like, well, anything outside of a man and a woman, I like, can't even make eye contact because I'm like, it just, I'm not good with that. And I'm straight. And it still makes me, I, I, I can't imagine how it would make you feel. Cause I'm like, that is very like divisive and like exclusive. And I like more like inclusive and a child, like being in church and taught that their whole life that had to be so hard and i wasn't going to share this but i'll share it with you i feel like uh living stepping into my truth my family they don't even know what to do with me because i i'm just honest and i am a straight woman but there was a woman on TikTok that I follow, and I was like, I just casually made a comment. I was like, if she hit on me, I would go with her. I would go home with her. And my mom's like, what? And my sisters were like, rewind, what? And I was like, I'm just being honest. Like I am straight, but I w- I am attracted to this woman, and I feel like there's a level of that in everyone, but not everyone says it out loud. And right. I just I'm like I I would go with her, and they're like <laughs> they're like you're married to a man, but I'm like that's just I'm attracted to this woman, and I. Yeah am comfortable saying that. And I feel like other people just feel that way, but don't say it. I mean, maybe they don't, I can't speak for other women, but they're like, what? But I'm like, that's, that's how I feel. I, I would, I am attracted to her.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, feel I feel like women, you know, we understand each other much better. Yes. <laughs> we're more relatable towards each other. Like we're lists, we're listeners. We understand the touch, you know, just Everything yes. about it, you know, guys are just guys, you know. <laughs> and you might have some that are different, but it's not very many. No, you know. <laughs> <laughs> guys that women like we just get each other, and so that's what makes it so much more different. You know,
1: right. I feel that way. Like I see it in other relationships, like, and the, like women talk and like are vulnerable and share their feelings. And men like were raised, especially like my yeah. husband is black. Yeah, and my, my, so I don't emotions. know what to call him in the black community. You don't go to therapy. You don't share your feelings. Yeah. He was like, my mother-in-law will say things to my son. Like he's five. And she'd be like, she'll take a toy and be like, that's not for boys. Boys don't play with that. Boys don't cry. Get up. Don't cry. And I'm like, we are not doing that. Yeah. And it's like, it's hard to have a relationship with someone that is just doesn't, feels like they can't share what they're going through. And they're just, they don't communicate because that's how they were raised. Like, how do you have a relationship with someone who just never shows emotion, never says what's going on and women do. Right. So I feel like it'd be easier. I don't know. Um, (laughs) I love how you just support other women. You, you show that there's room for everyone. And like you say, you get your blessings by bringing that next woman to the table. Can you talk more about that? Like, that's how you rise.
0: Yeah, I say it all the time. You know, like I don't have anything, you know, that I don't mind sharing, you know, because I do believe that this is how I receive my blessings. Yes. And I don't, I feel like what God has for you, it's for you. You know, no one can come and take it away or interfere. You know, even if they try to get in the way and say that they think they're blocking your blessings, yes. It's about timing. And if it's God's timing for you, it's going to happen. If it's not, it's just not going to happen. Like I do believe in sharing knowledge with people. Yeah, um, People hasn't always been, <laughs> you know, so forward with helping me, but I thank them for that too, because they made me stronger. They made me figure it out. Yeah. And, you know, you get a blessing
1: from that too. Like people not helping you, it teaches you something. So, yeah, absolutely. That's also like feeding your soul. And I love like you manifest, like you say, everything I touch, it works. And then it does.
0: It, does. <laughs> it, does. it really does. You I know. need to be
1: better at that. <laughs> I just. Well, you
0: know, you have to put it in the atmosphere, you know, and I'm, I'm not a planner. I normally do not plan anything when I'm getting ready to do something. I'm mm. the type of person who just jumps out and do stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've always had success with doing that. I've tried to plan before and it never works. <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> it you plan, God laughs. laughs. Okay, I get it. Um, You have a book, 10 Steps to Being a Boss. Mm-hmm. Can you give me two steps?
0: <laughs> yes. That book basically is about, you know, doing you you know, yes. like making sure that you have knowledge on whatever you're trying to do, um, on being successful and never stop, you yeah. know, never stop, like continue to keep driving that force.
1: Do you feel like as me as a entrepreneur, it's like, I don't ask, like, I don't know, but I don't ask. Cause it's like, I feel like I'm an entrepreneur. I have to figure it out. Like this person figured it out, but any entrepreneur that I have on, they're like, I want to help. Like I have done it. So ask, but you feel like you can't ask, you have to figure it out. Cause you're an entrepreneur and your pride is, you don't want to be like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, can you help me? You just try to figure it out on your own. And you're probably like wasting so much money and so much time, not finding like someone who's already done it. Even
0: back when I've tried to ask people who has done it, Um, it was one lady I remember I asked her this is when I had a clothing store and I asked her I said hey can you help me you know like figure out how to you know order or where to order from and she told me no it was a conflict of interest Mm. I lived in Alabama at the time (laughs) she lived here in Atlanta (laughs) and I was a conflict of interest in Alabama Mm. and I I said okay so I spent a lot of money Spending my wheels, yes. trying to like, I went to like the magic shows, all the big shows in LA spending money, knowing I was a small little boutique and I could not afford to buy 12 of everything. Yeah. Like I wanted to be exclusive where it was only like two of this, two of yes. that. But when you go to those type of shows, you have to buy in bulk. Mm. So I had to do that just to try to figure it out. But yeah, um, normally, you know, like right now, my circle, I have like a lot of restaurateurs who are my friends. I call them and we go over things like, uh, what's going on? Like, you know, are you feeling a shift or anything like that? And we just talk about, you know, things that we could do different with each other. So I have a lot of friends right now who are, you know, open about business and don't mind sharing. Yeah. Where I didn't find that back in the day. Definitely, I'm not afraid to ask at all. Even if they say no, or I can tell that they don't really want to answer or something, you know, I'll go to somebody else, one of my other friends.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's like Pinky. Pinky has been such a asset to me. Like she had me on American Sesh, and as we're leaving, it's like I don't want to. Like I'm just like I'm gonna leave, and she was like, "Hey, give me your cell number." And then I was like, "Oh," and like if she needs something or I need something, like. I'm writing a children's book. She's like, send it to me. I'll send it to Simon and Schuster. And I'm like, okay. Like she doesn't mind. Like she's a connector. And that's where she gets the blessings that she gets because yeah. that's what she puts out. I think not only just putting everything into entrepreneurship, like with the restaurants, but you also have a nonprofit, which is also beautiful. Can you talk about what that is?
0: So my nonprofit is Share Illumination Foundation. It is for kids who've been sexually mo- molested, physically abused, um, and what we do is provide etiquette classes for them. And we also provide free counseling. Yes. And so this is something that was near and dear to me because of the experience that I have been through. Yes. And I felt like had I gotten counseling years ago, I would be in a better place today because yes. I'm just now starting to get counseling just now and Same. I'm know. in my fifties, you know, And so I feel like had I got this counseling when I was younger, I wouldn't have made probably half the mistakes that I made back then. Mm -hmm. But I'm not, I don't, I'm not mad that I did anything that I did in my life because it was all learning lessons.
1: Yes.
0: And so my foundation, you know, I just want kids to be in a safe place. And be able to talk to someone because I was not able to talk to anyone when I was going through what I was going through because Mm -hmm. no one believed me. Mm -hmm. So I just want them to be able to open up and have trust in us and understand that we're a safe place and for them to get healed. First thing, anyone listening
1: to this is carrying childhood trauma. It's like a big T trauma or a little T, like obviously you had big T trauma that you came through, but anything that happened that you may not even realize that you're still caring, the way you react to things, the way you react to your spouse is because you're going back to a time where someone talked to you that way. And therapy is just so necessary. I found it in my late thirties and anyone that's listening and feels like there's a stigma, both of us go to therapy. It has been life-changing for me. It sounds like for you too, even if you think you didn't have this, like awful childhood, you are carrying something that is causing you to act a certain way in your life today. And you got to get in there and you got to feel it to heal it. And it is so necessary. You and I both have something similar. Like I went through multiple eating disorders, body image stuff. Oh my for, God. I
0: was going to talk about that too. 10
1: to 15 years. You too? Yeah. Oh um, So I have a uh, nonprofit for teen girls who are struggling with body image and self-worth because I- could have used it when I was coming through it. Like both of us went through something, came out on the other side and now provide a safe place for younger girls or boys in your case, anybody that's been through that thing, we created something. I would love to do something with you. And I didn't even know there was a connection to body image.
0: Yeah. I mean, for me, it's like, you know, when I was young, I used to be told you're not cute. You're ugly. You're fat. And so all those things stuck with me, you know, as I was growing up, I, I've always had in my mind, low self-esteem, you know, as much as I tried to act like I had it, it there yeah. was always, it was always pulling at me in my mind because I always thought I was fat because I was always told that I was fat. I've always had this weight issue. People look at me and be like. Girl, you're not overweight but still today I still think I'm fat. Every single morning I wake up, I get on my scale. No. It's-
1: more therapy in a
0: moment. Now this.
1: This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing, whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker.
0: You'll find what you came for here and more.
1: That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com/slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild.
0: Now back to therapy. Single morning. And I heard you one day talk about that. I cannot help it. Okay. That's the only way I feel like I can keep my weight on track, and if I gain one, if I if I have one pound over on that scale when I wake up, my day is ruined. Like, I I'm-
1: know that's why you can't go on it because you're gonna have a shitty day just because you looked at it. But if you hadn't looked at it, your day wouldn't be shitty. That's why you can't get on it, and then you're only gonna have a good day if you go down one. And I get it. Like I would be like, oh, have if I have an amazing a- day. Yeah, you're all. I- that's I have to send you my book. That's what my book was about. Like. I am, I'm killing it. If I get on the scale and I lost anything, but if I gained, it's a shitty day. If you don't look at it, it's not a shitty day. And you don't have like young kids, but I had Kenya Moore on and she was saying she steps on the scale every day. And then she goes, I got on the shower and Brooklyn's on the scale. Like her little four-year-old looking down at the numbers. She was like, shit, like she is doing it. She sees me doing it. And I speak. And when I talk to like women's groups or moms, I'm always like, you are the model Of what they will be. And if they see you step on a little machine and be like, oh, or like, yes, they're like, oh, that's how we find out. If we're happy, we, we see what the machine says. Like you're modeling that for your daughter or not you specifically, but anyone that, that is on a scale every day. Oh, we have a good day. If it's low and that cannot dictate your day and women's bodies like water weight or like it can change so much of why would you let that dictate your day? Don't step on it.
0: You know, like right before Christmas, I was sick and I was sick for like two weeks. I lost about 10 pounds. When I got up and looked on that scale, I was so happy. I was like,
1: yes, (laughs) I get it. I lived that way for 20 years, like from 16 to 36. That is all I was like, I was obsessed with the number on a scale. And you cannot let that dictate your day. I don't have a scale and I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. I stopped drinking two weeks ago, which I don't know if it's going to keep. I know. Um, I I'm committed to 30 days just so I can like do an episode and talk about what happened. And I, I don't want to be to a point where I can't go out. I can't go to gocha's and get a hail Mary because that is my, that spicy bloody Mary is my drink at your place. But I was drinking every day and not to like excess, but I would have a glass of wine or a beer or two every day. And it yeah. was so hard now, right now, as we're recording this, I have not drank in 16 days
0: and oh, people wow. are probably like,
1: oh, but that's but like 15 i
0: 15 days
1: becomes a habit. I exactly. And it's not as for some reason, Gosh, this time has not been as hard as other times I've tried. I'd be like, this is bullshit. I'm having a glass of wine. Like it was too much. But I know I'll be able to do 30 days, but I don't think I want to stay like sober. I want to be able to like if I start dating, not that I'm gonna date anytime soon, I want to be able to go have a drink and not have it be an everyday thing. So I don't know why I started talking about that. Why did I start talking about my drinking?
0: We're <laughs> talking about the weight thing. And then we were talking. Oh, yeah.
1: I don't know if I've lost weight. That's what I was say. I, I don't have a scale. So my day is going to not be affected by it. I could have lost weight because I stopped drinking. I'm sure you have. But I'm not getting on a scale because I can't, I don't even know if I have go because I found non-alcoholic IPAs. Like I used to drink like <laughs> big girl beer, not like Michelob Ultra, but they probably had like 200 calories. So I would drink a couple beers. Now I have non-alcoholic, so it doesn't have the alcohol but it still has the calories, but it's what I need to not drink alcohol for 30 days. Anyway, we should do some kind of collab with our we're talking to the same like group of people, like young like teens mm-hmm. and we have a similar why. Yeah. We can talk about that later. Talk about your new show, uh Bold wow. and Bougie. When does it come out?
0: Tell me all the things. So Bold and Bougie comes out February 15th. Ooh. Um, And so you have to come because I plan on doing a watch party at the restaurant at Tapas. Done. (laughs) And um, it's an ensemble cast with five women who are basically living their life uh, unapologetically. They are ladies who've been through turmoil, you know, had ups and downs. They've been married to famous people and, you know, have their own businesses going on. And we're supposed to be trying to form a sisterhood and, uh, you have to watch the show to figure out if this is going to ever happen. Oh,
1: this is so my lane, everything you said. And Carlos King is producing it. So it's already gold.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) I'm excited.
1: One of my good friends, Monique Samuels was on love and marriage DC and Carlos Mm -hmm. King produced that on we, so I have a little bit, i film with her a couple of times. She was also on Real Housewives of Potomac, so uh, I've been a part of like the reality TV. Uh, what else is coming up for you, or anything else that you want to promote?
0: I have grits, pancakes, uh, sauce. I forgot. You know, our, our pancakes are to die for. Uh, you know, and grits. All over the world to get our pancakes, and I finally developed a line of pancakes. And also a line of grits and hot sauce. So I'm excited about those things coming out and you will see those on the show. And um, I have a book coming out and it's a a cookbook. Yes, it's a cookbook. So I'm excited about that too. And just Gauthier's Tapas Bar. You know, we have to get people to start coming over that way because everyone knows about Gauthier's Breakfast Bar. You know, the Tapas Bar is very new. So we are just trying to, you know, get tapas up and running. It's a nighttime tapas restaurant. Yes, and It's also-
1: February, so I can drink.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we also do brunch on Saturday and Sunday at the tapas. Oh my gosh. Okay. First of all, I did not, I've
1: never tried the um, pancakes. I oh, go with yeah, the trio. Amazing. The trio is the crunch tastic, the chicken uh-huh. and waffle and the shrimp and grits. You get a little bit of all with the hail Mary, which is the best spicy bloody Mary. That's my order. And uh-huh. then sometimes for lunch, I get that, uh, shrimp. It's like a blackened shrimp, spinach quesadilla Oh, uh huh. that is fire. Like every single, you can't go wrong, but I've never tried the pancakes mom. If you're listening to this, which I'm sure you are, cause your restaurant is her favorite. They have pancakes and grits for sale now. So yeah. I will be linking that just end it with any advice for someone that maybe hasn't stepped fully into their authentic self, isn't living in alignment and purpose yet and feels just kind of unsure. What's the first step to doing that?
0: I feel like once people understand that people are going to talk about you, no matter what, whether you're doing good or you're doing bad, people are going to talk about you regardless. So you have to be able to, recognize that what you want to do is something that you want to do. And so you need to follow your dream because if they're not talking about you, then you're doing something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so you exactly. just have to do it. Don't give up. Just do it. The worst thing you can do is not do it and do be it. consistent with it. Consistent, persistent you know, because everyone's not going to, you know, agree with you and everyone's not going to tell you yes. So just do it. Believe in yourself. Love it. And if anybody wants more, um, where can they follow you? They can follow me at Goshe's Breakfast Bar on any platform or Gautier Hawkins. And then our website is Gautier's dot com.
1: You're a legend and I cannot wait to see what you do next.
0: Yeah, me too, girl. Thank you for having me. It's been amazing. And you know, this has been a long time coming. Oh, no.
1: Thank you for showing up to your weekly dose of Theron P. Formerly squats and margaritas, but honestly, when's the last time I talked about fitness and I'm really not even drinking anymore? Theron P seemed like a natural evolution to this podcast I will continue to bring you raw, authentic, vulnerable conversations so that you feel seen and less alone. If you got anything out of this episode, please do me a favor and share it with a friend. And I'll see you next week for your weekly dose of therapy.